2 Timothy 2. Second Timothy 2. Today we're going to begin to talk about, uh, we're going to begin to lay a foundation along the lines of how tragedy can come into your life and how to avoid it. How tragedy can come into your life and how to avoid it. So today we're going to lay a foundation and begin to pursue this subject from the Word of God and we're going to examine what the scriptures have to say about this. 2 Timothy 2, 24 And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if peradventure, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Now I'm going to read this from the interlinear Greek New Testament. It says, But it is necessary that a servant of the Lord not be quarrelsome, but be gentle uh, to all, skilled in teaching, patient, even in the midst of evil, in meekness, instructing those who oppose you or oppose themselves, if perhaps God might grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and that they might return to soberness out of the snare of the devil, having been captured alive. Having been captured alive by the devil. Now, I'm going to try to be a little bit slow today. Sometimes I get, you know, I think I want to get through this. Uh, but sometimes it's better to cover one thing and everybody gets it instead of trying to cover five things and nobody gets anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? So sometimes I kind of get ahead of myself and I begin to, to uh, get ahead of myself, but I'm, I'm, I really want this to sink in. So I'm going to try to discipline myself and not take too long in the process, but um, I, I really want us to get this. Uh, there are people in some Christian circles who um, accuse us in the Word of Faith uh, area of teaching that if you just have enough faith, you will never have any problems. And that is not true. I have never, you, none of you have ever heard me teach that. I have never heard anybody else teach it. It's not in the Bible. Uh, so that is not a scriptural statement. Uh, some people have selective hearing and they hear what they want to and then they form their own interpretation. Uh, and that statement is a good example of how some people just have selective hearing and they form their own interpretation. Now, the Bible does teach us that we have an adversary and it reveals to us how he gets a foothold in our lives. It tells us that there are things we can do to live a long life and there are things we can do that shorten our lives. Uh, it teaches us that there are two spiritual laws that are operating simultaneously in the earth at the same time. Uh, number one, the law of life. And Jesus is the ruler over this law. And the law of sin and death. And Satan is the ruler over that law. And both of those laws are operating simultaneously at the same time. Just go ahead and take her out if you need to, uh, Joanne. That's okay. 
So both of these laws are operating at the same time on the earth. The Bible also teaches us that there are spiritual, unseen, spiritual laws in the unseen realm that govern natural laws in the physical realm. And the master law of the unseen spiritual realm is the law of faith. Romans 3.27, the law of faith is the master law in the spiritual unseen realm. And that law will supersede and override every natural law when it is activated. Now, it's only through the word of God that we have knowledge of God. If we didn't have the Bible, we wouldn't know anything about God. God is a faith God. He does everything by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. And every born-again believer has been given a measure of the, the same faith that God has. That's imparted in, into us when we're born again. God set it up this way. Uh, and by knowing and applying the principles of faith in his word, God has provided a way for us to live above these natural circumstances that are in opposition to the will of God on the earth and in our lives. So through the principles of, of faith and how to apply them to our circumstances, he's provided a way for us to live above the, uh, this curse and the natural circumstances that are in opposition to us. Uh, but when Christians ignore these principles or they're just not aware of them, they just don't know about them, they unknowingly give Satan access into their lives to bring defeat, disaster, and calamity. Now, here in 2 Timothy 2, verse 25, it says, Instructing those that oppose themselves. Now, what does it mean, those who oppose themselves? The Living Bible says, Those that are mixed up concerning the truth. Those that are mixed up concerning the truth. Those that, are, that oppose themselves are mixed up concerning the truth. Now, Paul is writing to New Testament Christians. Is it possible for born-again, spirit-filled believers to be mixed up concerning the truth? It must be. <laughs> it must be possible, or he wouldn't be writing this to Timothy. Now, he continues with the purpose of teaching. He says, with God's help, to turn away from their wrong ideas and believe what is true. That's what the Living Bible says. The purpose of teaching is with God's help to turn away from their, from their wrong ideas and believe what is true. There are things that are believed and widely accepted about God among Christians that are not true. <laughs> Because of a lack of knowledge of God's word, Satan is able to successfully convince many Christians that God is responsible for things he had nothing to do with. Now, Satan's power is limited to three areas. Satan's power is limited to three areas. He can deceive you, he can accuse you, he can tempt you. That's it. That is the extent of Satan's power. He can deceive you, he can accuse you, he can tempt you. Satan is not the evil equivalent of God. He's not even the equivalent of you. He's not the equivalent of me. He's, he's a fallen angel. He's not in the God class. He's not even in the human class. 
And that's why it's a shame for any human to be subordinate to him. He, he's below the human class. He is not all-knowing and all-powerful like God. He is not. He's a fallen angel, and his primary mode of operation is through deception. That's his, his main, main weapon, is of, of the three areas uh, where he, he has access to us, deception is a primary mode of operation. Hi. Now, deception is the act of causing someone to accept something is true. The act of causing someone to accept something is true or valid that's actually false or invalid. The act of causing someone to accept as true or valid what is false or invalid. Now, the way he operates, he uses people, he uses natural things in the physical scene realm, he uses personal experience, but it, it, all, it has to be something limited to the scene realm that we can see, we can hear, we can feel with our five physical senses. And he sets these things up in opposition to God's word. He sets these things up against us in opposition to God's word. And he feeds this information through to you through your five physical senses, something you can hear, something you can feel, something you can see, in order for you to accept that as the truth. This is the way he operates in deception. He wants you to accept what you see, what you hear, what you feel, that's, that's in contradiction to God's word, but he wants you to accept that as the truth and God's will for your life. This is the way he operates. And when this happens, now you have a choice. Everybody say, I have a choice. Either you believe and accept this information that Satan is feeding you from your natural circumstances, either you accept that and believe it as God's will for your life, or you find out from the Word of God what... Uh, the word says about his will for your life and you believe that so if Satan can convince you to believe and accept these outward circumstances that are contrary to the word of God if he can get you to accept these circumstances as God's will for your life he has deceived you do you understand okay the Bible's really very simple, isn't it? Now, isn't that simple? But hadn't religion complicated <laughs> this out of all proportion? You know what I mean? It is really very simple. The Bible's very simple. And Satan uses, uh, he also uses incorrect teaching, preconceived ideas, and assumptions to deceive God's people. Through deception and a lack of knowledge of God's word, people who oppose themselves and are mixed up about the truth, like the Living Bible says, they unknowingly invite Satan into their lives to bring calamity and defeat and disaster and tragedy, and they're not even aware of it most of the time. And then the next thing that you will hear is the all too familiar question, why did God allow this to happen to me? How many times have you heard people say that? Okay, now folks, we're, we're doing something about this, okay? We're not, we're not gonna be in that group, amen? We're, we're, keep, we're getting the knowledge of God and how to apply it, and we're keeping this door closed, amen? Now, People try to answer that question by providing carnal answers to this spiritual problem of 
it's probably best not to even try to answer that question. Um, but people try to help God out and they try to provide some kind of carnal answer to the spiritual problem with unscriptural religious ideas, opinions, uh, and traditions. Now, the purpose of this ministry is to teach people how to apply the principles of faith in God's Word, how to apply the wisdom of God, which is the Word of God, to our everyday circumstances, to live in victory, to walk in God's best, and to rule and reign in this life and keep this door to the devil closed. Amen? That's the, really the purpose of this ministry. And through the knowledge of God, we, we learn how to apply these principles of Bible faith, uh, and, and not just knowing it, but how to apply it to our lives. By doing this, uh, we want to stop so many people from needless suffering and premature death and, you know, financial suffering um, and, and just get the devil off of people's back and out of their lives. Amen? We're not condemning people. We're not belittling people. But this is just where the body of Christ is. And, folks, there's a cure for it. Amen? There's a cure for it. And, and, and so this is, uh, this is what we want to do. It's not God's will for believers to be constantly struggling uh, with sickness, finances, depression, and the cares of this world because it's taking their focus and energy away from their divine assignment uh, and, and God's plan for their lives. So that's why God has provided a way through the knowledge of his word and how to apply it to live above these circumstances. Now, Satan doesn't care if there's a church on every street corner as long as they're preaching sermons on global warming and Brexit. Okay? He doesn't care. You can pile a church on every street corner. He'll be the most faithful member. He'll be there first every time the doors open. But he doesn't want God's people to find out what they can have, what they can do in this book, and how to possess it. That's what he is against. That's what he's against because when you find that out, his days of controlling your life are over with. His day of controlling your life is over with. And that's why he is scared. He is scared. And as long as Satan can keep people ignorant of God's word and how to apply it in their lives, they unknowingly keep the door open for him to come in and bring calamity and defeat and disaster uh, and failure, and God will get the blame. And, and, and because people are deceived and they can't see it, when they blame God for it, They've still got this door open to the devil, and they never close the door, and he's still got access, you know, and they cannot, they cannot see it. Now, have you ever heard the term sacred cow? <laughs> it comes from uh, the Hindu religion where they reverence and worship cows in the Hindu religion. Cows are holy. They are much better treated than people. They're much given much higher priority in society than people uh, in their religion. And that's where we get the term sacred cow. Now used in our everyday language, this is what it means. It's used to describe someone or something that has been accepted or respected for a long time and that people are afraid or unwilling to criticize or question. 
someone or something that has been accepted or respected for a long time and that people are afraid or unwilling to criticize or question. That's what we call a sacred cow. And there are some big sacred cows in the church. And this is a huge hindrance to many believers. It's hindering people and giving the devil access to their lives. As I previously mentioned, there are long-held, widely accepted beliefs in some Christian circles that's hindering God, uh, it's hindering the people, uh, it's hindering their faith, and it's opening the door for the devil to come in to their lives. So let's examine from the scriptures one of these long-held, widely accepted sacred cows in the Christian circles. And we have to take, folks, take every single thing you believe and examine it according to this word. If you can't find it in here, then it needs to go, okay? I don't care if you heard it in church. I don't care if, if your parents taught you or your grandparents. We'll, we'll talk about that later, but everything you believe about God, everything you believe, you've got to examine it according to what the Word says. Now, one of these sacred cows that we're going to talk about today, we're laying a foundation to some things we're going to get to later, but we need to deal with this first. One of these sacred cows that's very popular and among many Christians is God is sovereign. God is sovereign. How many times have you heard somebody say that? Hmm. Is God sovereign? Now what people are saying when they make this statement, they're saying if people get healed, it was God's will. If they don't get healed, it wasn't God's will. God decides who's rich. God decides who's poor. God decides who's healed. God decides who's not healed. And in some Christian circles, there are some really extreme people who go so far as to believe God decides who's saved and God decides who's not. We know there, there are a few people that really believe that. It's called predestination. Some people really believe God's the one deciding who's saved and God decides who's not. When they say God is sovereign, they're saying God is going to do what he wants to do regardless of what people believe, regardless of what they say, regardless of what they choose. God is going to do what he wants to do. God is in control. And when they say that, they mean God is control, in control of everybody and everything. It's all up to God. Not true. You cannot find any of these statements or teachings in the Bible. Yet, there are some people who are very adamant about this. They have very strong feelings about these things, and if you challenge them to show you scripture in the Bible to support it, or you suggest that it's not true, they are ready to put on their boxing gloves and go 10 rounds with you. That's how strongly some people feel about this. So everything we believe we must examine according to the word and we have to stay with the word because all the scriptures agree now look back in the same chapter here is our text look back to verse 15 second timothy 2:15. study study one of the meanings of the word study is to research research the scriptures Study to show thyself approved unto God, 
a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now remember, we're talking about how do people come to accept and cling to widely held traditions and beliefs about God that are not true. How do people get there? How do they come to this point where they adopt and accept these widely held beliefs that are not scriptural? How do they get to this point? This, for this verse tells us, what does it mean to rightly divide the word of truth? When you rightly divide the word of truth, you interpret scripture with other scripture. You, you say you take a verse on healing and you interpret that scripture with all the other scriptures in the Bible on healing and they all agree. That's why you do not have any contradictions in the Bible. All the scriptures in the Bible on that subject agree with one another and there are no contradictions. If, and you can say the word has been rightly divided. Now, this phrase, rightly divided, in the Greek means to cut a straight line. It means to cut a straight line. Now, if you take a, uh, you take a piece of paper and you draw a straight line there and you take a pair of scissors and you begin to cut across that line, as long as you stay on that line, you're cutting straight. But once you begin to deviate from that line, you're no longer you're no longer straight. You have now deviated from that straight line. Okay? Now, how does this apply to the word? When you rightly divide the word, you cut a straight line. As long as you stay on that word and you don't deviate from it, you're on the truth, okay? As long as you stay on that word and you rightly divide it and you don't deviate from what the word says, you're, you're on the truth. But once you begin to deviate from what the word says, now you're getting off into error because you have deviated from the Word of God, okay? And this is how all error is the result of not rightly dividing the Word. When you rightly divide the Word, you cut a straight line and you don't deviate from the truth. There are entire denominations who have, uh, you know, you, you, you also cannot take an isolated scripture out of the Bible and build a doctrine on it. There are entire denominations who have taken one isolated scripture out of the Bible and they said, well, this is what it says, and, and they built their whole denomination around that one scripture. If you take out one isolated scripture and to build a doctrine on it, you're going to get into error. So today, unscriptural beliefs are the result of what people have been taught in church, what they've heard their parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles say, uh, what they've sung in hymn books sometimes. There's some, some hymns are not scriptural, you know? I'm not saying all of them, but we have sung things till, you know, we've sung unbelief into our own spirits and we didn't even know it. These people are sincere, but they didn't know and never questioned and examined their beliefs according to the scriptures. Just because you heard something in church doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. Just because you heard your parents or grandparents say something doesn't necessarily mean it's true. These beliefs and traditions get passed down from one generation to the next and people don't question or examine them according to the scriptures. Now, you're, you may remember a little while back, I talked about, I told the story about the lady, the, the newlywed couple, and she was um, going to 
bake a roast. And she cut the end off of the roast and put it in the pan and put it in the oven. And her husband said, why did you cut the end off of the roast before you put it in the pan? She says, well, I don't know. That's the way my mother did it. So I, that's the way I did it. So she said, I'll phone up my mother and ask her. So she phoned up her mother and said, why did you cut the end off the roast when you put it in the pan to bake it? She says, I don't know. I never really thought about it. That's the way your grandmother did it. So she phoned up the grandmother and said, why did you cut the end off the roast? And she said, oh, that's because my pan wasn't big enough. <laughs> so you see, these things get passed down from one generation to another. Nobody ever questions it. They just do it because this is a way we've always done it. And this is how these things get started and established in churches and people's lives and they're not examined according to the scriptures. Now we mentioned sometimes people have selective hearing and they hear what they want to hear and make their own interpretations. Now, for example, what about Adam? Genesis 2, God comes to him and he begins to talk to him about this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Amplified Bible calls it the tree of the knowledge of blessing and calamity. And God said, don't eat of this tree. You can eat all the rest of them, but this one, don't eat it, because if you do, you're going to die physically, and you're going to die spiritually. Now, is there anything vague about that instruction? Anything that Adam could have not understood? Anything confusing about that statement? It's pretty, pretty clear, isn't it? Pretty clear instructions. Don't eat of this tree. Now, was it the will of God for Adam to eat of that tree? No. Obviously not, or God would have, wouldn't have told him not to eat it. But some people will say, yeah, but God allowed it. This is a, this is a favorite comeback that many people have. Yes, but God allowed it. God had to allow it. God in his sovereignty gave Adam a free will, which gave him a choice. Yes. Everybody say choice. choice. And Adam made the wrong choice. It was not God's will for him. In God's sovereignty, he has bound himself to his word. God had given Adam dominion over the earth. He says, it's yours, lock, stock, and barrel. And whatever Adam chose to do with it, it was his to choose and to, to do. And this is why God could not come back in and say, wait a minute, you can't do that. Yes, he could do it. Because God had given him dominion over the earth. It wasn't God's anymore. It was Adam's. And, and so... Um, so if God had intervened and stepped in and said, no, 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 you can't do that, he would have been lying, breaking his word to Adam, and now Satan could have, would have caught God in a lie, and he would have had it. Once Satan caught God in a lie, it's finished, folks. I mean, it's finished. So every day, people have a choice to receive Jesus or to reject Jesus. And you hear confused people say, well, I just don't understand how God, a loving God, could send people to hell. They're right. He's not sending anybody to hell. He has never sent anybody to hell. He never will. The Bible actually says, Jesus actually says, hell was not prepared for people. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. Because once Satan's time is up on this earth, once Adam's lease is up, and, and Satan's out of here. He's got to go somewhere. You know what I mean? He can't stay here. He's certainly not going to heaven with us. So he's got to go somewhere. And God prepared a place for him to go and his followers to go. So that's the only purpose of hell was just to have a place for Satan and his followers to go. 
But if people choose to follow him and reject Jesus, they're going to have to go with him. They're going to have to go with him because he's got to leave here. He can't, he's not going to heaven. People have chosen to follow him instead of Jesus, so they've got to go with him. So God's not sending anyone to hell. But in the sovereignty of God, he has given us a free will and a choice. Uh, what about Judas? There are people who believe that Judas was ordained from the foundation of the world to betray Jesus. He had no control over it. He had no say about it. Uh, you know, it was his lot in life, and that's it. There are people who believe that. Not true. It was God's plan from the foundation of the world that Jesus go to the cross to redeem mankind. That was ordained by God from the foundation of the world. And folks, it would have happened if Judas had never been born. Uh, I don't know how it would have played out. Jesus would have gone to that cross, whether someone else betrayed him. Uh, I don't know how it would have played out. But Jesus would have gone to that cross. Um, we know Judas had a choice. In Matthew 27, when, G, um, when Judas betrayed him, it says, when he saw that Jesus was condemned, when he saw that Jesus was condemned and they were really going to arrest him, he took the money and he ran back to the to the religious people and he threw the money down and he says, I have sinned, I have done the wrong thing and they said, tough, that's your problem, you know? And so folks, if, if, if he did not have a choice, there would have been no reason to repent. You know what I mean? You, 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 a person only, uh, only repents uh, you know, when they realize they've done something wrong. If there is no repentance, if you have no control over something. I didn't see that before. Yeah. There, there is no repentance if you didn't have control over it. If, if it was ordained by God for Judas to betray Jesus, and he had no choice, there was nothing to repent of. And number two, I don't believe Judas really believed that they would arrest Jesus. When he made this deal, I don't think he really believed they would take him because many times he had seen Jesus walk away from mobs before. He had seen Jesus walk away from mobs before. He thought, eh, this is just another mob. He'll walk out. We'll walk out with him, but I can collect some money on the side in the process. And when he saw that when they actually arrested him, Buddy, I mean, the, the, the wall came crashing down on him and he realized what he had done. And that's, so he did have a choice. He made the wrong choice. That's why he gave the money back to the religious people. Now, this statement, God is sovereign, God decides who's poor, who's rich, who's healed and who's not, is a doctrine of convenience. It's a doctrine, it's a very convenient doctrine, and it creates a no-fault religion. It creates a no-fault religion. Whatever happens, it's not my fault. If it happens, it was God's will. If it doesn't happen, it must not have been God's will. It's all up to God anyway. And God decides who knows the word and who doesn't. And God decides who has faith and who doesn't. You know, it's not my fault I'm poor. If it was God's will, I'd have a job. Now, you know, uh, people say I was born in the wrong country. I was born to the wrong parents. Well, obviously, we do have a head start by where we were born and having good parents. Obviously, that's, that's true. But Peter said, the word of God is of no private interpretation. That means the promises of God are for everybody. I don't care what country you live in, the promises of God are for everybody. And the answer to coming out of poverty in a third world country are the same as a 
the answer's for us coming out. You get born again, you begin to be taught the word of God, you begin to tithe and give offerings and sow and reap, and you come out. And that's the same solution for people in third world countries for us because it's a law of God. And it will work for anybody, anywhere. So this, this statement, God is in control, it, this is a widely held belief among thousands of Christians, and you commonly hear people say this. It's a defeatist victim mentality. They're saying, I am just a passive victim, and, and this is all out of my control, and it's all up to God, just like they're a passive blob on the earth, and, and everything's up to God. Yeah. Now you might say, what does this have to do with tragedy coming into your life? It has a lot to do with it. Adam had tragedy come into his life, but he had a choice. Judas had tragedy come into his life, but he had a choice. It's not all up to God. Everything that happens on the earth is not all up to God. And when people adopt these beliefs, they're inviting Satan into their lives and they have no defense. It does matter what we believe. It does matter what we say. It does matter what we choose. Is everything happening on the earth God's will and God's plan? No. Everything that's happening on the earth right now is not God's will, God's plan, or God's choice. 2 Peter 3.9 says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is the revealed will of God. Are people perishing anyway? Yeah. Is it God's fault? No. What is the truth? The Word is the truth. The Word is the truth, not added to, not taken away from, not taken out of context. Now let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11. of the Lord your God but turn, turn aside so if God is sovereign like this widely held firmly held fought for sacred cow among many Christians if God is sovereign every, he's in control of everybody and everything he decides who's rich, who's poor who's blessed, who's not um, then there can be no if in this verse. There can be no if in verse 27 uh, or 28. You have to take the if out. If, if it's all up to God and God's deciding who's blessed and who's cursed, you, ha you have to take the if out. What does if mean? Everything he's about to say after the word if is not automatic and it's not all up to God. The blessings and the curses are conditional. There's a condition or requirement that involves us. Whether we experience the blessings or whether we experience the curses, we have a choice. It's not all up to God. Now, how are we doing? Um, 
Let's turn, hold your place there, turn briefly to Matthew 6. You doing okay? Matthew 6, verse 10. This is a very familiar um, scripture. Jesus said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, if God's will is already, be done, already being done in the earth, why would Jesus tell us to pray this? If it's God's will for some people to be sick and not healed, why are we even praying for them? Why would they even ask for prayer? If they believe, it's, you know, it's all up to God, God... God heals some. He decides who's healed, who's not healed. If I'm not healed, well, then it's not God's will for me to be healed. Why are they even asking for prayer? Why would they even go to the doctor or take medicine? If You know, if they really believe uh, that, that it's not God's will for them to be healed, then if they go to the doctor or take medicine, they're resisting the will of God in their life, according to them. So, this is an area where people are often deceived by the devil into believing that God's will is for them to be sick and they don't want to be resisting the will of God, so they accept it. And there's tragedy and there's disaster and there's suffering caused by wrong beliefs. And this is how the devil gets in. These widely held, unscriptural beliefs that people have and it's causing disaster in their lives. People say, well, you know, there's a purpose for everything. Well, obviously there's a purpose for everything, but that doesn't mean it's God's will. You know, of course there are reasons why things are happening, but that doesn't mean it's the will of God because it's happening. The devil has a purpose for people being sick, to get them off this planet, to get them out of his way, and to ruin their testimony as a Christian. Is God's will fulfilled in heaven? Yes. No sick, no poor. So, Jesus said, pray God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it must be God's will that there not be any sickness or poor people here either. Or Jesus wouldn't have said, pray it, pray that. So that must be the will of God. Now back to Deuteronomy 28, uh, back to Deuteronomy, a few pages over 28, verse 1, and it shall come to pass if, underline the word if again, and he goes on to say, if you hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God, to observe and do all his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee high above all nations of the earth. And he begins to say, all these blessings will come upon you. You'll be blessed in your basket, blessed in the store, blessed going out, blessed coming in, blessed, blessed, blessed. Verse 15. We come on down to 15. But it shall come to pass if, Underlying the word if again. And then he begins to say, if you do not hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. In other words, if you get off my word and you begin to deviate from it, not rightly dividing the word, uh, cursed you'll be in the city, cursed you'll be in the field, cursed the basket, cursed, 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 cursed. Now, if God is sovereign, like many people, adamantly hold dear if God is sovereign and he is in control and everything's up to God there is no if there is no if verse 30 I mean chapter 30 Deuteronomy 30 15 See, I set before thee this day life and good, death and evil. Now, I'm going to read this from the Good News Translation. He says, today I am giving you a choice. Now, does that sound like 
God's in control and God's deciding who's blessed and who's cursed and who's sick and who's healed and who's rich and who's poor. No. He says, today I'm giving you a choice. Uh, if, if uh, you know, if he was in control of everything and everybody and he's the one deciding and it's all up to God, then he would have said, I am sovereign and in my sovereignty I have decided who's blessed and I have decided who's cursed. If you are blessed, it's my will. If you're not blessed, it's still my will. If you're cursed, it's still my will. It's all up to me. He would have said that. He would have said that if it was true. There's no scriptural basis for this belief. He said, no, today I'm giving you a choice. Then if God says, I'm giving you a choice, whose choice is it? It's not God's choice. It's their choice. He says, between good and evil, between life and death, if. You obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I give you today, if you love him, obey him, and keep all his laws, then you will prosper and become a nation of many people. The Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are about to occupy. So the people that were blessed were blessed because they made the right choice. They chose to believe God's word. They, they adhered to God's word. They applied it in their lives. Verse uh, 17. But if. <laughs> we had if, now we got but if. But if you disobey and refuse to listen and are led away to worship other gods, you will be destroyed. I warn you here and now, you will not live long in the land across the Jordan that you are about to occupy. I am now giving you the choice between life and death. Now, folks, this is about as clear as you can get. I'm now giving you the choice between life and death, between God's blessing and God's curse, and I call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Choose life. Just in case you need a hint, choose life. That's a choice you want to make. So here we see two different out. God sets two different outcomes in front of them. He says you can obey my word and you can live long in the land that you're going to occupy and you will be blessed. But if you make the wrong choice, you are not going to live long in this land and you will not be blessed. So if they don't live long in the land, is it God's fault? No. No. Am I going too fast? <laughs> it just means they made the wrong choice. Okay? If they don't live long in the land and they didn't obey God's word and they got off of it, then they made the wrong choice. The book of Proverbs tells us very clearly there are things that we can do to lengthen our life and there are things we can do to shorten our lives. But there are people that will say, well, it was just their time to go. Or they'll say something like, well, you know, when your number's up, it's up and there's nothing you can do about it. How many times have you heard people say that? Often. These are unscriptural statements. And people uh, often misquote the Bible as well. You will hear people say, Well, you know, it's appointed to every man a time to die. And this was their time. And there's nothing they could do about it. I mean, God ordained from the foundation of the world. You know, 45 years two months and three days and their number is up buddy and there's nothing you can do about it no the word of God says Hebrews 9 27 what it does say is and it's appointed unto men once to die 
doesn't say anything about when. It says it's appointed to every man once to die. And that's provided the Lord doesn't come back. If the Lord comes back, some of us are never going to die physically. You know what I mean? But that's, that's if the Lord tarries, we're all going to, there's a point at a man wants to die. So we have traditions of men. We have these sacred cows over here, widely held beliefs and opinions by many Christians that are not scriptural and you cannot find them in the Bible. And over here, we have God's word. We got two different outcomes, just like God put before these people in Deuteronomy, two different outcomes, and I'm giving you a choice. And you choose these sacred cows that have been going on for hundreds of years. Nobody will question them. Nobody will challenge them. Nobody will examine them from the scriptures. Or... Here's what, the, here's what my word says is your will for my life, and you can have it. And it's our choice. Amen? Now, it is true that God is omnipotent. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. And in his omnipotence and in his love, he has given us a free will, and he's given us a choice. And he's also placed a believing mechanism in our born-again spirit that makes us like him. And we have a free will to believe his word or not believe it. Now, write this down. If everything is up to God, faith is not required. If everything is up to God, faith is not required. Now, can you see where this becomes a doctrine of a convenience for many people? If it's all up to God, there's no faith required. Now, if God is in control of everything and everybody, then what has he left up to us? Hmm. There's really not anything left up to us. If he's the one deciding, and, and, and he's already preordained this from the beginning of the world, then what is he left up to us? If healing is all up to God, Jesus should never have said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. If healing uh, is all up to God, he, he, he never should have said, your faith has made you whole. If, if God's the one deciding who's healed and who's not healed, Jesus never should have said, as you have believed, be it done unto you. If, it, if, if God's deciding who's healed and who's not, Jesus should never have said, be it unto you as you will. What if, if it's up to God who's healed and who's not, Jesus should have said, now God is sovereign. And in his sovereignty, God alone decides who's healed and who's not. You'll just have to wait and see. Now why didn't Jesus say that, if that's the truth? And a lot of that, if people believe this, yeah, and, and in, if if, um, if it is all up to God, Jesus should have said it. I mean, you thought you would have think at least once in the Bible he would have said it. You know, Jesus would have said, "Well, if you're healed, it was God's will. But if you don't get healed, it wasn't His will. But you'll just have to wait and see." No, you cannot find those statements in the scriptures. Then why are people so adamant about these things? If they're not in the scriptures, why are people so adamant about these things? The truth is, as long as you hold on to unscriptural beliefs about God, you are setting yourself up for defeat and you have no defense against the devil. 
This is the truth. Can you see how people are opposing themselves and the devil is capturing them alive at his will through deception, wrong teaching, no teaching, through deception and a lack of knowledge of God's word, you are opposing yourself, you're inviting the devil to bring calamity and tragedy into your life. Now let's say this out loud. Lord, we want to know where we thought wrong. Believed wrong. Anything we have accepted about you that's not true. Show us. Reveal it to us. And thank you for it. Amen.